Good day, nerds. This is Megan Cominancio with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with Vanessa Riley. We're talking about Murder in Drury Lane. That comes out on October 24th. Um, and it's the second book in the Lady Abigail Worthing mystery series. The first one is called uh, Murder in Westminster. That's available now, so you can go ahead and catch that while you're waiting for the book to come out or if you haven't had a chance to pick up at all. I really enjoyed this uh, conversation with Vanessa. It was really cool to get to know like um, her background and her obsession with stories and writing and how she still, um, you know, she became an engineer because she still got to pay the bills. So but it was really cool to hear about how all of those uh, skills kind of played into her writing career. Um, but either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Vanessa Riley. So today we've got Vanessa Riley here. We're talking about murder in Drury Lane. Uh, that comes out on October 24th. That is the second installment in the Lady Worthing mystery series. Um, Murder in Westminster Minster is available now. Go ahead and uh, catch that while you're waiting for this book release. Thank you, Vanessa, for joining us today. I really liked meeting Abigail. I didn't read the first one, but I felt like I could still kind of you know, you did a pretty good job. And I think this, this happens with a lot of installments where you could, the reader could still follow along, kind of catch, get up to speed with, with what's going on with what Abigail's dealing with. But I still, you know, she still is like a little bit of a mystery to me. So I'm like, I would love to get to know her more, but um, thanks. I'm I'm excited to to chat with you today. Excellent. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, Abby's a mystery. She's every time she's a little bit more of the onion on peel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I could tell. And she carries with it. I think it's like, it can be a little tricky for the author to kind of like, it's a fine line, right? You don't want to reveal too much. You don't want to frustrate the reader. You want to give them just a little bit to where you're like, oh, well, I want to get to know her more. But then it's like, oh, wait, there's like a plot, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, to start off, can you give like a little summary of uh, Murder and Jury Lane so that readers and listeners can follow along? Oh, absolutely. So... Abigail um, is in a marriage of convenience and she's just returned from Bath. She's, she was hoping that her husband, who's this grand explorer would, would meet her there, but he's not. And she comes home and she finds her house has been ransacked. And we don't know why the house is ransacked because it could be enemies of her husband. It could be people who don't want Abby living in Westminster in this fine house who are resentful that she has a title um this this woman um or it could just be random because random crimes happen as well so they decide that she should uh the magistrate who's who's a friend as well as her godfather decide that she should go to the theater because she loves the theater and to pretend like nothing has happened uh and abby she 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 wants to know what happens she's a puzzle solver she's trying to figure things out but she's trying to play it cool and in the middle or near the near the middle of this play that she's going to see, someone comes out on stage and screams because there's a murder that has happened backstage. Well, that's the type of distraction that Abby just absolutely loves. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to die. She dives in to figure out who killed Anthony Danielson. And Anthony Danielson is a budding playwright who somewhat decided to change his life last week. <laughs> literally uh, unfortunately the things that you've done in the past can come back to haunt you or and it's hard to escape your friends and your social circles and all the things the nefarious things that you've done in the past 
when you've just decided to change your life. <laughs> um, and so as the mystery unfurls, you know, Abby, you're going to learn more about Abby, her, her, her skill at putting things together is tested. Her relationship with her next door neighbor, uh, Stapleton Henderson gets more complex as she has to rely on him to go to places, be in situations where a woman of that time frame is not allowed to to look at or uh, or visualize. But her passion to get the abolition movement restarted is really challenged because one of the potential suspects is the key vote on the current abolition bill that's going through parliament. So that's, in a nutshell, everything yeah. that's going on. <laughs> As I say, no good deed goes unpunished. No, yeah, I've d- definitely a good handful of uh, colorful characters, and you know, I I was I was pretty stumped. I was like, man, I don't even know who did it because like, <laughs> I didn't know who to watch. I didn't know who to pay attention to, um, you know. And and sometimes you're like, oh no, that's just that's too obvious. But it's like, wait, no, maybe it's not. Like I don't. <laughs> so I I I'm a sucker for murder mysteries. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. I like the t- I like the like the little subgenre of it where um it's like a period piece too. So that's always like really fun. And there's like a whole bunch of like other research. I'm, I'm guessing a whole other process that's involved in that. So um, can you kind of like go into your research and like, did you approach it the same way? Cause you've got, you know, this lady um, worthing, she's not like your only uh, series that you've got or a title that you have. So did you approach it the same? Any big lessons learned most fascinating thing you learned stuff like that? Um, I, have somewhat made a study of from 1750 to 1830 what's happening in the world um and particularly the 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 conflict so every war that's happening every interfaith disagreement um all the things that are happening in in the caribbean and beyond are you know this is my catnip right and (laughs) um i the figures of this time frame i mean we're in a day and age where we're losing like the importance of a Wilberforce, mm. uh, the importance and, and the complexities of some of these early battles trying to move the world forward in progress. Uh, so unlike my historical fictions where I find a person's life and I go cradle to grave and I try and figure out their entire, you know, what happened and what what affected them during the world during the time that they embodied the earth. For Abby, it's more situational. So I'm looking at situations that have happened. And the, that fight for abolition is to me, mm. because at one moment, you know, it, as we see in today's politics, one minute you're a villain, the next minute you're compromising with those you called a villain uh, in order to hopefully move things forward and you're yeah. people. Um, and that's, that is the case with the, the abolition movement. Um, it wasn't the greater good all the time. It was um, sometimes it was financial, uh, and people would use anything to make things go forward or, or to push things back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very interesting fight. I think it models a lot of what's going on today. So I think it has that relevance vibe. Um, and then once again, if you're a woman, if you're a woman of color, if you're on the outside looking in and these things materially affect you or your family or your, your, your people, to me, it's just, it's, it's a great scope. So being able to blend the fiction with the history but never forgetting this is a murder mystery you yeah. guys are reading to know who done it yes <laughs> <laughs> and that that is the shot that is the spot shining light so there may be lots of things happening in the background and uh, but that murder mystery that is that is the main focus 
And I like that. I liked how you add that little, um, the little like historical, because I know I, like based on the author's note at the end, you kind of included little snippets of like where your research landed and who was real and what was actually happening. And I really enjoyed that. Like I appreciated that you chose that real life political issue that everyone can agree is wrong. Slavery is wrong. Horrible. That's like pretty much black and white, at least in my, in my opinion, <laughs> like there's no gray area there. Um, but back then it's like, you know, couple hundred years ago the whole the, the political context the social you know the public scrutiny all that i really appreciated how you kind of enter you integrated that real life that real historical event and turned it into like a little bit of a you know it begins like abby's at war with herself over it because she's like do i really point this suspect out i really you know i really think something's not right there but doing so would put him in a negative light and squash that whole, her whole, like the cause that's near and dear to her. And so I thought that was just like, so cool, so smart. And it was just like, it really kind of, for me as a reader, it really, I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like she's in a tough spot. Like, you know, she can't kind of, she can't really like go behind the scenes to, to catch him. Right. Like she, (laughs) like she has to, kind of confront him and this person and confront people all the other connections so it's it's so tricky like she can't just do it like secretively it's uh it's not it's not as easy as that she can't like do it and be like okay this person i'm pretty sure he did it but i won't tell anybody like what? <laughs> exactly. i thought that was so cool yeah i love putting people in those situations because it's like this is your goal this is the thing you but but she also seeks truth and yeah. so the, the outer and inner conflicts to me are just, it's just catnip. So it's like, yeah. let's see what we can do with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. It's fun. I could tell you were having fun too. And you want the reader to have fun as well. Right. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, can we go to your background a little bit? Because I know that um, just from doing research about you, um, you've got a, a handful of titles under your belt. And so um, I kind of want to, explore the background like what maybe draws you to the period pieces what draws you to um you know the murder mystery genre and what you know how how did you bring uh, lady abigail worthing to the world okay so um i uh am a nerd's nerd i think that's <laughs> to explain it so when other people were outside you know having fun playing sports my mother had us reading. And so I, I, you know, I deep love of Shakespeare and, and Thoreau and Baldwin. Um, and then this woman come called Jane Austen comes into my life <laughs> and, and the world is, oh, you know, the world kind of changes. Um, uh, and then my father's from uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And so when he was trying to really get us to sleep, he would tell stories. And because I was the only girl, he would tell these fabulous stories of women. It, it did all these exciting things. And, and as an adult, I realized at least half of them were true. Yeah. Um, and they're stories that really should be in our history books. So I got I, I just have this love of this time period period. Um, and and throughout my life, I've gone back and forth at different points of just doing research or writing little snippets. Uh, but I, that nerd nerd, I was also very good at math. And uh, my mama literally sits me down one day and she's like, I know you love to write, but you always need to be able to pay your bills. <laughs> yeah. She's right, right? And yeah. It's a, a harsh kind of life. And she, you know, engineering definitely pays the bill. And, and as you alluded to, I do have a doctorate in mechanical engineering from Stanford University. And I have a 
master's in industrial engineering, engineering management, also from Stanford. I have a master's in uh, mechanical engineering and a bachelor's in mechanical engineering from Penn State University. Um, I know that it was like almost minored in uh, Western civilization at Penn State. I was like probably two courses shy. Mm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know, the engineering helps because I dissect the world. And my there's a little bit of a lens that's sort of black and white of the hows and the whys. So uh, one of the things is, as I take you back in time, I want you to feel like you're there. So if there's a street, it's a real street because I have maps and, and I've plotted things out and I'm trying to figure out how you can get from here to there. Uh, spoiler alert, the tunnels under Drury Lane are there. Yeah, uh, wow. Some of them have been, have been closed in, but if you t- ever get a chance to go... Take the secret tour in Drury Lane and they will show you all the wonderful alcoves and things. And uh, I actually had my daughter with me and she was like, Ma, don't ask them how to kill people in here. Please don't. don't." (laughs) She's like, tone it down a little bit, like practice some restraint. (laughs) You're in a foreign country, Mom. They're not going to (laughs) understand. That's awesome. Yeah. So then you did go to Jury Lane and then you explored everything and then you went to London and like went, went, um, yeah. Cause you did a good job. Like I could, you know, I've never been, it's on my bucket list, but like I, or to, you know, London, England. And so, yeah, I, it's, it's always fun to like picture it, especially, but it's, it's more tricky with like a period piece, right? Cause you can only kind of describe and, and feel how it is like in present day. And, and I'm sure was a lot different um, back then. But I think even like, it seems like a lot of the architecture is still very much like very much it's so. standing up, still being used all that. Yes. Uh, the present Drury Lane is the same location, but it actually burnt down. So we're like mm. in the third iteration of Drury Lane. So there are lots of like, I'm a big painting person, sketch person. So I go back and I try and find the earliest drawings, the earliest layouts. Um, because I, I want you to, I want you to feel like you're there. Um, and you know, sometimes you don't have to go to that level, but that's the engineering me. You will never get rid of the engineering me. So you've, you've gotta <laughs> Um, but I, I look at it now as a superpower. So that's one of my yeah. superpowers that I bring to the table because, you know, it's, um, the level of, of how someone can investigate is completely different. Some techniques haven't even been invented yet. Um, and this is more of a gut at this moment in time. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you get a lot of gut with circumstantial evidence can usually say if somebody's guilty or not, or enough to sway the jurymen if they're guilty or not. Um, and and so you've got to put a lot of things in play. Um, but my overriding goal is that you feel like you're there, you're in the audience or you're right next to Abby and you're walking with her through her lens trying to solve this mystery. Yeah, that's so fun. It's funny that you say you're an engineer. My my husband's an engineer. His uh, dad and his brother are are also engineers, so I get it. It's it's just the way your brain works. You can't quite you can't help it. You can't help it. And then like if you, you see something, it's like, no, this is, has to be solved. Like what no, we're not like, <laughs> like but I always tease my husband, like once you get sucked into something, you like really get sucked into it. And then it's like, hey, what's for dinner? Like what do we want to do? Like what <laughs> Like before he noticed it, like 45 minutes went by and he's like stuck on fixing something. This just happened yesterday. We were putting up our Halloween decorations. Some of the bulbs were out and he was sitting there like testing it all and like seeing which ones he can replace. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Like which one's the culprit? And I'm like, 
oh my god honey like okay like like he's like I, well, just there. wait tell a couple minutes <laughs> I, I tell you know sometimes just go to amazon and just buy the new string i know i know right especially i'm like well when did we buy these four years ago okay we got a good enough use out of them we got four seasons out of them i think it's okay like we did what we could right <laughs> exactly yeah you're just like i mean time is precious too right you don't want to what do you want to spend like you want to spend a little bit of money to just get a new one or you want to spend all this time on a sunday night like <laughs> exactly <you know? laughs> So no, I totally get it. I love that you kind of like use that, you channeled that um, thinking process and, uh, you know, that little uh, cognitive like problem solving. I love how you kind of use that to your advantage and to fuel like the development of the story and what, you know, all the like tricky parts, because like writing a good book, it's like, you got to have the world building, you got to have the characters and you got to make sure all the characters are like distinguishable and especially our leading lady, nobody can outshine her. Right. Like all that stuff. I'm like, is that why you made um her cousin a, a math whiz? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a <laughs> little bit of that. That's so little funny. Bit, I just, it's, and there's just the corny jokes, right? There you get the corny, you know, math jokes just thrown in there just to break up a little bit of the tension. Yeah, uh, because you've got you know you have Stapleton who's incredibly intense like all the mm. time. So just for some levity, um, as well as you know some of the the other topics that are going on, so they're heavy. So you could always have math jokes. Math jokes break up. <laughs> I love it because it's kind of like you just I think everybody just it's dry humor, right? And it's like it's like a you kind of just like you can't you roll your eyes but you can't help but laugh because you're like oh my gosh like. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's funny. It's goofy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the running joke. Okay, what's our calculation of living past this moment, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you you just got them. Like you could just keep them coming anytime you want to pipe in with one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did like. Uh, speaking of characters, I really liked her godfather Vaughn, right? Like her yes. uncle slash godfather. I wasn't sure, like, at first you could say, like, oh, he's just kind of being protective and concerned, and he's, you know, he's just being, like, like a good companion, a good friend, a good protector, but, like, you know, a good family member. But then when it came down to, like, you know, them trying to work together to figure out what happened and who done it and all that, because she, her life, while she's still trying to solve this crime, like, her life is still kind of, like, in danger. She's still kind of got to watch her back a little bit um, mm -hmm. and, you know, be careful of, where she's going and when she's going out. But when, when he took matters into his own hands with the, um, and we would try to believe spoiler free, but when he caught, well, you know, what's his face Watson, I was just like, what? <laughs> I was like, okay, I I'm liking Vaughn a little bit more. I'm liking him a little bit more. He took charge and he, he, he found a way to unconventionally, uh, you know, get things done. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, and Vaughn is, uh, there, there is a, there's an alleged man who used to work for the Prince Regent who got things done. Mm. So he's modeled after that. He's also modeled after the scandal daddy on, uh, you know, TV. <laughs> Olivia oh. Dad. So oh, that's so funny. That's awesome. See, like, that's so funny. I, yeah, I just remember thinking like, oh, okay, like he's just like, you know, uncle, whatever. But then when it was like, okay, like he can roll up his sleeves and get shit done when he needs to, like he can really like help his, you know, his goddaughter. I just, and it was just done it in such a funny way. I was like, all right, there we go. Okay. He's stepping up. Like I want him on my side. Like, <laughs> and it's a 
risk. I, I will tell you, that was a risk. I was like, have I have I gone too far? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's like, I, but to me, it makes sense. And, you know, it, it, that was like, that was a risk. That was a risk. Right. Yeah. You want it to be just outlandish enough where it's still realistic. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, how would that happen? Would that happen? And um, yeah, I, I loved it. It was such a funny as one of my, yeah, one of my more favorite moments is where, and I think it's almost like a turning point because where it's like, okay, nope, all hands on deck and time to take the gloves off kind of thing. Like stop tiptoeing around, like time to really like get in there, you know, all that get, just be just like, it kind of shifted, like the effort shifted, like to more serious, like, okay, we gotta, we gotta really handle this now. And it was just, I loved it. It was so funny. Oh, let me see here. So how did this um experience really seeing this one and maybe just starting the Lady Worthing uh, series. Did it, how does it compare to your previous works that you've, that you've published? Did you, you know, writing process the same? Were there any big lessons learned? Um, things like that? Um, the writing process changes a little. So, so I am a, a timeline girl. So uh, on the timeline um, and I have, you know, the events of what's happening. So these are, you know, a, this is like a couple, like within a month's time frame, the action from the beginning to the ending kind of thing. I literally look at what's happening in, in London during that time frame. So mm. the, uh, all the abolition votes that are happening, that was very important. There are times where there are significant figures who have died, like in the, um, in, in murder in Westminster, Lord Nelson was just buried in, uh, he died the, the uh, in 1805, but his funeral is in 1806. And then the, mm. the person over the parliament was another big uh, stalwart. He just died. I mean, so you have state funeral after state funeral. People are still talking about those kind of things mm. when you start the action. So to me, you, you really want to know what's happening because that's part of conversation. And sometimes that can influence how your characters are, are acting or, or things that are happening. So it's the timeline. Um, and because Abigail is, is cl- completely my invention, you know, I get flexibility of, of what's going to happen to her, but I paint the bodies, the, where the bodies show up is very, very important in a, in the murder mystery. So that is the, the, after I know what the happens in the world, even before I start thinking about who did it and who didn't and all that sort of thing, I think more about the the victims. Who are they? Um, what were they doing? And when do they, when do we know they're dead? Those are very key things for me. Um, and then the story writes itself. I, you know, we we we're continuing Abby's arc. We're continuing Henderson's arc and, and Florentina and Wilson and even Vaughn's arc. All these people that that you've met and loved, even the dogs. The dogs have arcs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so, you, you know, what, what's changed from their beginning, the middle and end of the book? How do, how are they changing? What do we, what new information we're learning? So from that aspect, that too is, is somewhat similar to the historical fictions is, but historical fictions are typically centered on one person. You mm. know, they're up and down. This is giving you bits of everybody because everybody's growing and changing every time they solve a um, mystery. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I enjoy that because I imagine like to just to be like prolific enough, you have to keep coming up with ideas, but then, you know, maybe you want to try this and then maybe you want to try that or maybe doing sl- slipping into a different genre like necessitates that you step out of your comfort zone a little bit, which, but no, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to do it and you become a better writer for it, right? Like you just like 
flex your wings a little bit, soar a little higher, all that, you know? <laughs> and, and it gets to, it gets to, you know, it, a romance is a difficult thing to write, but you mm. know how it has to end. Yeah. Absolutely know how it is. And so whoever that hero and the heroine are, you know, they have to get together. You not, and you, every journey is supposed to be different and there changes and, but at the end of the day, you know how it's supposed to end. Mm-hmm. Murder mystery, you know that the reader has to have satisfaction that the guilty person has got its comeuppance. Mm-hmm. That could be a multitude of different ways of what those comeuppances are. That's different. Okay? Yeah. That is, that's a new, that's a new landscape. And so you're always thinking, am I delivering on the promise? Um, and for me that the preludes are always the promise of what the story is going to entail. Um, uh, because it's the victim, the very mm-hmm. first victim, you're meeting the very first victim and they're giving you a perspective of their world and how they are seeing things. Um, and that's got to set that tone of what's going to be coming forward. So that's a little extra fun. Yeah. Yeah. A little extra effort, but I'm sure like you're getting a little bit better at it. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you still want it to be challenging. It's not going to be, otherwise it's not going to be fun. Right. It's, it's always challenging. uh, Mm -hmm. Every story. And I love, I love writing and I love, I love these people. And every time you return to the same people, that's, that's one of the beautiful things. You return to the same people. It's like, okay, let's move them forward in their lives. Let's what's happening. Let's visit with them again. So you get a little bit of that. And, and once again, the, the arcs, everybody's growing and changing, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. And just where are they on that spectrum? To me, that's, yeah. that's exciting. And that's, you don't really get that um, in a lot of the other genres. Or if it's just one book, if you get all that in one book and then you you don't see those people necessarily again. I, I like dwelling, digging in here and, and getting to know Abby and watching Abby become better at solving these these problems. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's got a lot of confidence. Like she's very headstrong and she, you know, you could tell her frustration of like, you know, being expected to stay in her role or to know her role, but she's also not afraid to like, you know, ruffle feathers. She's not afraid to shake things up a bit and to stand her ground and be like, you know, like, no, this is not how things are going to be. Like, this is like, I, it's like, I, there's nothing wrong with me being, having this status being in this house, being in this neighborhood. Cause you know, like, so basically she got married because it was going to help. It was beneficial to multiple parties. Right. And so, and she, you know, she seems like she's kind of trying, but she knows, she knows that part of it. She knows like what she did. And she made that choice. She, you know, she, she's kind of, she's not hopeless romantic per se. She like, she gets it. She knows what, you know, she's disappointed, but she gets, she knows what's going on. Um, but then on the other hand, cause she, she's got bigger fish to fry anyway. She's like very involved with her community in, in, um, you know, current events, things like that. And I just love, I think I, I, one of the things it was, I think it was a conversation between her and her cousin where I just really appreciated, like, it was a good conversation where she was saying something, they was discussing something like, you know, we should be allowed to not just explore things and do things, but we should also be allowed to like make mistakes which I totally like for some reason that just resonated so well. Like, obviously I'm not a person of color, but just like as a woman, it's just like, there's that pressure to like, you got to to be just to be considered, like to be looked at, you have to like excel and you have to be perfect and you have to like, there's un- unforgivable, like there's no room for mistakes, which when she's kind of said it plainly like that, like I, we should be allowed to make mistakes just like everybody else. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so true. And it's like crazy how, 
you know, even 200 years later, it's like, we still, that's a general conversation, right? Where it's like society expects us, you know, and, and sometimes women are, unfortunately, they're a part of that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I I also appreciate the, the progress that we've made, but also I'm like, I don't know. I was just talking with another author a few weeks ago about it where, you know, there's, there's just like a whole commentary of like, oh, you know, everybody's against men right now. And I'm like, well, 50 years ago, you could get a credit card in your name. Like, I don't know. Women couldn't get a credit card until like their own credit card until like the 73 or something like that. I'm like, once I learned that, I was like, okay, sit down. Like, <laughs> it's just, you know, and then I think I, that's the, the good part about the beautiful part about the period pieces too, because it often reflects on like the social, or there's some sort of social commentary on how it reflects in, in today's, today's world too. And, and you, you know, it's anytime a woman does something, special or different they automatically become the standard and if they have any self-doubt we're not supposed to have Mm self-doubt or if they do a shade of something wrong it's oh it's it's going to condemn it's going to ruin everybody behind you etc etc and and that's a real pressure that we shouldn't have Mm -hmm. but we carry it with us um, anytime we step out and do something different so Abby highlights that she's doing something different. Um, she's different than a lot of people in her circumstances. And there was so many people that were against what she was going to do. Um, maybe because they knew what she would face. Maybe they were trying to protect her or maybe they had their own selfish reasons mm. why they didn't want her to do it. But she made a decision and she's sticking with it. And it's cost her to lose some things. Uh, she's gained some things. Um, and her initial goal of saving her family was achieved, but then it broke apart because she was her own woman. So she's, she's a, a, a ball of complexities, um, that I hope people will love getting to know better. Um, but she's, you, you hit it right there on the head that, that we should be allowed to fail. Mm -hmm. We should be allowed to not be perfect. Um, and we need to be able to give our own selves grace, which I think is something that we are very hard on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just needs to be also maybe just become more of like a public conversation. Like, you know what, like today I, I wasn't on top of my game, but there's like tomorrow, like, it's just, just cause nobody, like, especially with social media, like nobody's posting their failures. Right. And, and if they do, it's kind of like, good i guess like they're starting a conversation like you know don't compare yourself to others because on a good day like yeah i seem like i have my shit together but like you know for example me catching a a cold i like me having a complete thought was just like okay like i did the bare minimum like i did the bare minimum these past like four days and even then i was just i felt like horrible because i like couldn't really help with the kids this morning for example or friday morning for example like because they both like go to school or go to my parents to for them to babysit and yeah it's like i feel like i kind of feel guilty but it's just like i i'm totally useless right now like i can't think straight i'm so slow i feel so gross like i can't but it's just like something as simple as that where it's like i like yeah i have to forgive myself like you know what you know like even something as simple as making i didn't make it to the gym well you know what it's okay (laughs) like it's okay i'm 
exactly exactly it's one week it's one day it's one weekend it's just it's not gonna you know and obviously that's a smaller scale than someone who's like trying to run for public office right like that's obviously a much bigger scale but then you have like you know there's so many cooks in the kitchen there's so many complicated parts to it things like that but yeah at the end of the day it's like well that you know that doesn't have to be your end all be all right like go figure it out go figure out something obviously that wasn't working for a reason so like that's yeah just just I, I just appreciated it so much that to find that in a book you know to find that you know just to really kind of like focus in on that internal struggle with that women often face with just just like like why like there's so much pressure and a lot of it is because both externally and internally of like feeling that need but it's 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 just how we're raised like how you know men it's like you know men are allowed to fail or like maybe they get over it faster i don't know but women were like we feel like it sets us 10 steps back if if anything like that happens so i i just loved it i appreciated it coming coming across that conversation on that commentary it, it's it's my pleasure and she's a i want people to see she's a she's a full individual she's still developing but she's a full individual and these are all aspects of her life as she's solving this mystery yeah yeah she's still chasing clues and crossing names off her lists and talking to people and being bold and she's still like yeah she's she's definitely full uh you know well-rounded multi-dimensional character and it's like i'm a sucker for character growth so but i i really i think it's, it makes a story more powerful when you can like you can see all that play out and it's not like forced you know it's just no this makes sense of course she would do this of course she would be this way of course she would respond this way and and i wouldn't like <laughs> it's just a couple more questions before uh, we wrap up here so okay what were the most challenging parts to write and then what were the most enjoyable parts to write Ooh, most challenging parts to write um i think i think we'd, we'd actually just we kind of talked to hit around this the, the vaughn's character showing him in his power um, not necessarily holding back. Um, that is, that's definitely new for the Regency genre. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, just as an author, it's a risk, right? Um, I think the actions are very true to his character, at least the person I see in my head as I'm writing. But, you know, that, that's a risk. How, did I go too far? Um, is that pushing the envelope? Um, because unfortunately people have a box of what they believe the Regency mm. in this time frame is. And if you go and actually read the history, it's very different. It's a much more open society. There's more fluidity. Uh, there is always rigid points of view and things like that, but there's a lot more fluidity and boundary crossings and things like that. When you actually get to um, when circumstances are dire, when, you, when people are put in certain uh, different types of circumstances. So that was, that was it. That was a risk. That was, a that was a, a incredibly challenging. Fun parts are the humor, the, the humor hits. I love the humor hits. Um, and I love when she calls Stapleton on his BS. I'm yeah. Really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, they you could tell like so, you know, because I didn't meet them until this book, but um I just get the impression that he just was like a curmudgeon. He was just this grumpy, serious man, um, no no foolishness, like very straight to the point and really not trying to um 
you know, it wasn't trying to make friends, but then I, I liked how in this book, they're, the dialogue is really funny because they're like learning how to trust each other, but they're still like, you know, well, like say it plainly then. Like, what are you trying to say? Like, what are you like? Come on now. Like, are we, are we friends? Can you trust me now? Like, like, okay, if we're not friends, like, can you, like, I'm not going to lie to you, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, I, I liked that back and forth too. And I really liked how she was just like, okay, come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and and i yeah i kind of like things like that were kind of like i like it when the serious characters kind of get caught off guard and and they're kind of like wait what like they they don't know how to respond they don't know how to act um i think that's always so fun too those are my favorites yeah (laughs) that's a very good question (laughs) oh sure sure i know you gotta think about it next time in case you know (laughs) so what do you hope readers get out of this story I hope readers will take another look at the this this era we call Regency. Um and just have fun um looking at these characters who because of who they are bring so much baggage uh to the table and to me unpacking the luggage is always fun and interesting. In the middle of these real battles with abolition in the middle of the chaos that that's happening during this time frame. Um, to me, it's a great landscape for a story. I think the cast of characters um, are are going to make this series very, very, very fun, very interesting, um, and I just can't wait to see where it goes next. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what advice would you give to Abigail? Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and to continue to know your worth, what are you worth? I'm actually working on the next one, murder in Berkeley square. And that isn't, is a question knowing your worth. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I was going to ask like, what's next on your plate that, um, that you could talk about, like, you know, that you're allowed to, to share with us. Yes. This one might be a slight homage to Agatha Christie's and then there were none. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. I know that's what a lot of um when authors who write like murder mysteries or uh even if it's like a cozy murder mystery or whatever, they do refer to Ag- Agatha Christie a lot where they that kind of where their love for that genre blossomed, like, you know, putting puzzle pieces together, seeing how it all fits, solving the crime. And I'm like, that's you know, that's that's so cool. I love that no matter where where an author is in their journey, where where they come from, what genre they're writing, not well, like sub subgenre maybe, but like just their backgrounds in general, like how powerful that author was and the stories were that it just really had the, such a similar effect across like all that across generations. I think that is so cool. It just resonates and just can teach. It's it's like we go back to Austin. There's a reason we go back to Agatha Christie. There's a reason, and so. Um, I, I, I draw inspiration from them um, and I want to make memorable murder mysteries. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really enjoyed meeting Abigail and her cousin and even Henderson and I, I, and her godfather Vaughn. I really enjoyed it. And I, I can't wait, um, you know, for more books to come out and I could get to know them more. I'll add a uh, murder in Westminster to either my audiobook list or, you know, my reading list somewhere. I'll, I'll get to it somehow. <laughs> it's like, I like audio, audio books. It depends, but I think murder mysteries could be, can be fun 
too with audiobooks. It depends on the narrator, though. So um, Vanessa Riley, Murder in Drury Lane, that comes out on October 24th. Murder in Westminster is available now. I definitely recommend probably reading number one before reading number two, but you got time. Um, um, where can we find you online and on social media? Oh, VanessaRiley.com is the mothership. Join my newsletter. That'll get you uh, tidbits, um, things that are happening, events, um, sometimes history, and sometimes a recipe. Um, oh. I'm very active on Instagram. I'm over there on the thing called X, Facebook, <laughs> uh, Threads, and TikTok. I- I'm trying my hand at TikTok. So yeah. join me, join me, join me. Lots of perfect lots behind the scenes. Thank you so much, Vanessa. This was such a cool conversation. Like I said, I really enjoyed meeting Abigail and I really appreciated all the colorful characters and, and her, you know, everybody in her squad that's trying to help her out. And, um, you know, I, I will definitely look forward to, to more Abigail in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And there you go. That was Vanessa Riley talking about Murder in Drury Lane. That comes out on October 24th. That's the second book in the mystery series with Lady Abigail Worthing. The first one is Murder in Westminster. Um, that's available now. Go ahead and check out the show notes for links to find her on social media and online and a word to purchase the books. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on social media, The Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. If you need a new book recommendation, check out my book reviews on thenerdcantina.com. And if you are finding any books that you really enjoy, go ahead and hop on over to Goodreads and Amazon and um, give them a review. It really does help the authors out. And so do pre-orders. So if you're convinced by any of my book reviews before the book comes out, go ahead and click that pre-order button and follow the authors to see what other books they've got coming out, what other titles they've got published. Um, But either way, thank you guys so much for listening.